Comey was spying on Trump. Well, the reason he was writing the memos was to create a record so that he could destroy No them. American knowingly colluded with the Russians to interfere in our election campaigns. Oh wait, unless you mean Hillary Clinton. Pardons, prosecutions, and transparency. You're listening to Tom Fitton's weekly update here on JW TalkNet. Hi, everyone. Judicial Watch President Tom Fitton here with our weekly update here on social media. Thanks for joining us uh, during this coronavirus shutdown. A lot to talk about this week, obviously, the shutdown. We have major new developments in the Clinton email scandal. We issued a subpoena against Google. I'll tell you about that. Plus, there are been a, there's been a major declassification of documents tied to the worst corruption scandal in American history, which is kind of tied to the Clinton email scandal which is the, uh, 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 the Spygate scandal targeting President Trump. So I'll get to all of that. First up, obviously, is the issue that's probably foremost in your minds, which is the destruction of our national fabric by these uh, shutdowns that are taking place in response to the coronavirus. The states across the nation have destroyed their economy, suppressed their people's freedoms. For what? I'm not quite sure in the sense of I'm not what I'm not sure about the science behind it. I'm not sure about the logic behind it. And I'm not sure about the constitutional basis behind it. You know, generally speaking, states have police powers, right? Well, they're only limited. They're not unlimited. They can't keep you from working forever. They can't keep you in your homes forever. They can't keep you from exercising your constitutional prerogatives forever. And certainly if there's a quarantine needed or there's an, an emergency of a natural disaster or, as I said, a quarantine, but that's a limited police power. If you individually are, are, are subject potentially to uh, either being sick or sharing an illness that could be devastating, there's, there's precedent for a limited police power to keep you quarantined. But the idea that there'd be this kind of broad-based shutdown across the state that's indiscriminate in nature, indiscriminate in nature, that's something that's important, and that's lengthy and indeterminate in an indeterminate time, uh, that's not proper. And uh, I appreciate the president has been pushing for reopening America, and he's right to do so. I'd suggest that he ditch the models ditch the science that seems to be being made up as they go along and just tell governors to stop the suppression. We've got to be prepared to deal with the coronavirus issues as they arise. But the presumption has got to be, the starting point has got to be, is that, okay, the state functions. I mean, I don't mean the state in the government sense of the word. I mean, the state, people in a state should be able to function live their lives, exercise their rights, go to school, and there's a particular health concern, then you deal with it in a limited fashion. It's narrowly constructed in terms of the length of time and the suppression of someone's freedom. I mean, that, that, it's frustrating that that's got to be reiterated, but it's true. I don't know if you saw Tucker Carlson interview the New Jersey governor, I think it's Governor Murphy on TV this week, but I encourage you to go back and find that online or re read the interview. 
It's pretty clear he had no idea. He seems to have his heart in the right place, but he's oblivious. He had no idea why he was having, why the shutdown was necessary. It's pretty clear he didn't even, couldn't come up with good rational reasons. And on top of that, the Tucker asked him about, what about the Bill of Rights? And he said, well, that's above my pay grade. I wasn't thinking of the Bill of Rights. Well, you know what? They're supposed to be thinking of the Bill of Rights. And this is why people are protesting in states. You've got this draconian shutdown in Michigan that's restricting people's movement between homes, private residences. I mean, just think about, you know, and, and what's frustrating is I don't think these public health experts are bad people. I just think they are, we're giving, uh, first of all, they think uh, they know more than they do about the way the country should operate. I mean, I don't pretend to run, have the knowledge to run an entire city. I mean, those of you who have families, it's a challenge to run a household. Those of you who have businesses, it's a challenge to run a business. But we've got public health officials who think they can run a country. And no one voted for them. And when you ask them about the science, it's pretty clear there's no science behind it. This is a radical experiment on the American people, folks. Never before in our world history, our nation's history to be more direct, I mean, the idea that you would shut down a nation of 33, 330 million people to control a pandemic, and tell, I mean, just describe it like that kind of highlights its absurdity. And indeed, the science, the data is showing that the shutdowns don't have much to do with controlling the virus. The virus is going to do what the virus does. Oh, yes, we're, whole, we're told we're supposed to flatten the curve. Well, the curve, the number they were concerned about, that curve has nothing to do with reality. And, of course, the goalposts are not only moving. I mean, in, ter in retrospect, the goalposts were phantoms. And now we've moved to, quote, testing. We need a widespread testing. I, 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 you know what? I'm done with it. I appreciate there may be some reasons to test, but, but I'm done with it. Because I'd try, honestly, to follow the logic and to follow the science, and to listen to what the experts are saying. And frankly, they don't seem to know what they're doing. And they're guessing. Which is fine. They're being asked to provide their best input. But it is, in many ways, an educated guess. So now, the curve, you know, that we need the, the 100,000 people would be dead with mitigation. Well, now those numbers are dramatically lower. So, so much for that. And the curve was not never, it was never as steep as projected. In fact, it was flattening even as they were talking about shutting the government, shutting the country down. Again, showing the shutdowns didn't have much to do with it. But now we're being told testing. And fate, and now, uh, the, then uh, the president's, uh, uh, the, the new recommendation to the president was in terms of shutdowns ending them at least, which is a major development. We're light years better than we were even two days ago. Because now the president, pretty clear, is he's all in in terms of trying to get the country open. But you should recognize that, again, A, the media hates him, so 
there's that problem with the media actually encouraging damaging public policy simply because they hate Trump. And that the governors are fearful. In many, in some, in some places, the governors don't know what they're doing. In other places, they're just fearful. In others, they think they've got this power that the Lord doesn't give them, which is to run the lives of every man and woman child in their state. And this isn't a state's rights issue. There's no, nothing in our constitutional system or a Republican form of government generally that gives governors the right to keep you suppressed at home, suppress your First Amendment rights, suppress your right to property based on the flimsy science, irrational thinking, changing argument. These, 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 these shutdowns are indiscriminate and they're lengthy. Therefore, they're unlawful. If you're typhoid Mary or the equivalent thereof, maybe there's the police power the state has to keep you quarantined for a period of time. But the idea that that police power extends to every person in the nation, every person in the state specifically, irrespective of their health status, irrespective of their family situation, irrespective of the risk, You should be pushing, and the, the president didn't shut down the country, the governor shut down the country. These are 40 different states that have shut down orders effectively. Some are tr beginning to try to lift them as we speak, which is great. But our freedoms are at stake. We have 22 million people unemployed right now. That has health, health consequences. As the president has said, and I've often observed, you can't have health care without an economy. People will die because of the shutdown as surely as night follows day. Our health care system is being decimated. Our retail sector is being decimated. It's been cut 50% in some sectors. The travel sector, airplane travel, is the equivalent of 1954 levels. How, how That is so deeply disturbing, isn't it? Our food chains are under stress because of the shutdowns in our, because uh, uh, major meat processors and others are beginning to shut down because they're following guidelines. I don't want you to get sick. I don't want to get sick. I don't want my family to get sick. I don't want your family to get sick. I don't want anyone to die unnecessarily. I don't want anyone to die of anything before, quote, their time. But you can't save lives by destroying a country. You just can't. In fact, it's the very opposite. In order to save lives, you need a strong country. You need an economy. The best way to protect someone's health is to give them a job, keep them employed, give them their lives back. Now, Judicial Watch has several Freedom of Information Act requests about the issues that we're talking about here. We're obviously monitoring the grave constitutional threats to our freedom as a result of these shutdowns. We may take legal action. I don't know. You know what? And, and as I was pointing out earlier, the media, when all said and done, the media is going to be responsible 
and I, and I mean media loosely in the sense of the liberal hate Trump media. I mean their suppression of hydrochloroquine, hydroxychloroquine. They're poo-pooing of any other these other emerging treatments, like this antiviral. I think it's um, I, I don't want to mispronounce it, but it's by Gilead. All those are reasons to reopen the country because you not only have reasonable steps to stop the spread, which I trust Americans to figure out how to do on their own without the nanny state telling them that they only can go back to work in phases versus just turning a switch on. I mean, I'm sorry, when Dr. Fauci says it's not like turning a switch on. Well, what is it like? What I want the government to do is to get out of the way of the economy and stop suppressing the people. And it's not for unelected experts or politicians who think they can run the world to calibrate who can go to work and who can't. I mean, for instance, the White House's plan, which I say, you know, gives governors, frankly, wide latitude to open up the country. But of course, there's lots in the plan that give governors who don't want to do anything, plenty of reason not to open it up. So first of all, the plan, quote, has gating, meaning you can't get out of, you can't get into reopening the your state unless you have this specific curve that's going down 14 days of declining cases. Why? We've been shut down for six weeks so that by that standard, as soon as you open up, cases will pop up. It's going to necessarily almost happen. Well, unless, of course, the whole shutdown charade is just that, a charade, in the sense the virus isn't following or, or being mitigated by the shutdown. So assuming that arbitrary and capricious standard is met, you go into phase one. And if your schools are closed, you keep them closed, but you can begin to send people back to work. Well, that has no, nothing related to the real world. Because a lot of people can't go back to work unless their kids are in school. It just can't happen. So it seems to me the presumption needs to be open the country back up. Everywhere. And let local officials, local officials treat outbreaks as they pop up with the help of state and federal officials. Now, the president rightly pointed out, and the White House rightly pointed out, there's no reason an entire state has to be, like in New York. I mean, New York City is a nightmare, or was. But I'm sure the rest of the state isn't as bad off. The rest of the state can get back open. And I'm sure the same is in, in other places where urban areas may be more adversely affected or maybe even suburban or rural areas. There may be outbreaks, but it doesn't necessarily mean the rest of the state has to be shut down. Of course, that's common sense, isn't it? But we've got to revert to common sense to protect our economy, save lives, and protect our freedoms. So you got the media suppressing news about treatments and making governors more fearful because those options, my guess, are not being approved or, or they're, A, 
they're not being um, pursued as aggressively as they otherwise would be because of the media attacks on them. And you got the media more obsessed with protecting China now than getting the, worrying about the 22 million Americans who are being who, who can't work because of this crazy shutdown. The news is that the administration is pursuing evidence which has been out there for months but has been suppressed largely by the anti-Trump media that the virus erupted came out of a, a, a facility in China. I don't know if it was on purpose or not. Their thinking is it was an accidental release. Changes a lot though in terms of why they explains a lot as to why the Chinese behaved the way they did. You know, there's an old book. The title is, I forget the author. I think it's Fred Schwartz, who's kind of an old anti-communist from the 50s and 60s. He's, he's passed away now, but I think his book was called You Can Trust the Communists to Be Communists. So, you know, the Chinese behave like communists when caught screwing up. They disappeared people, they lied, and placed, in this case, the whole world at risk as a result. And of course, it highlights the need for strong borders and control of those borders. So you've got this, uh, this China connection, uh, which needs to be pursued. And, uh, but on the other hand, the irony is that we have oppression that the Chinese communists would be quite comfortable with here in the United States. So I put out a tweet earlier. I said, I'm not going to snitch on you for refusing to wear a mask in public, for going to the park with your child, for going to church, or even for trying to work to feed your family. We're going for a drive just because. Because I'm not seeing any of the logic behind any of this shutdown activity. Wash your hands. Take basic steps for hygiene. Maybe wear a mask if you want, if you're comfortable doing that. But none of this requires us to destroy our government and destroy our way of life. I mean, people focus on the economy. The left hates the word economy because they pretend that's we mean all we care about is money. No, we care about people's lives. We won't be able to eat without an economy. We can't have health care without an economy. We can't have freedom without an economy. And the indiscriminate, lengthy nature of these shutdowns show that they're constitutionally inappropriate, to put it mildly. Someone's got to be thinking of the Bill of Rights. The president's been tweeting out, liberate state Virginia or liberate Minnesota, wherever he's been tweeting. You know what he needs to do? He needs to liberate America. He can't trust the governors to do this. He needs to say, you know what? First order business is opening up the economy, and then we can, that's the best way to be able to save people's lives. A vigorous, strong economy where people are able to go to work. And yeah, we got an emergency, so I'm going to deploy hydroxychloroquine. For anyone who wants to take it as a preventative, have at it. 
and we're going to make it widely available as a treatment so that there are no more hurdles and hoops that people have to jump through in order to get it. So there's a lot to there's a lot to be concerned about, and um, you know the left is obviously using the coronavirus as a pretext to uh, change our election system, eliminate voter ID, have nationalized ballot harvesting, which would lead to chaos. You might as well not have an election if the left gets its way. It's that bad. And the best way to preserve our republic is to get the country back to work again because the left will have less excuse to upend the sorts of things that protect us from having elections stolen, for instance. I know there's a big fight about spending, adding additional money to the Paycheck Protection Program. And all of that aside, the best way to preserve someone's paycheck, obviously, is to get them employed. The best way to preserve someone's health is to get them employed and give them their lives back. So Judicial Watch, of course, is going to continue to investigate the coronavirus as appropriate. Uh, so we've got some, I, I think we even will have some litigation coming up soon on it, at least FOIA litigation. We're observing and monitoring the legal implications of the various shutdowns. There's already been a major court ruling in Mississippi where, I think it was Mississippi, where a federal district court judge told, uh, um, no, it was in Kentucky, the mayor, of, the, Louis, the mayor of Louisville, Kentucky, was trying to suppress um, a church service that would occur where people were sitting in their cars socially distant. And the judge says you can't do that. I mean, you can go to a grocery store, you can't go to church. You can go to a grocery store, you can't go to work. You can go to a grocery store, you can't go to school. And what I'm highlighting there is all that's essential. All that's essential, and there's no rhyme or reason or logic behind shutting this all down. They're just making it up as they go along. It doesn't mean the medical experts are lying. They're giving us their best advice, but the advice One of my kids is coming by, so I have to tell them to be quiet so I can continue here. They're giving us their best advice. But they don't know how to run a country any more than you do. And that's why we have freedom. So with that being said, uh, we'll move on to the... Uh, the next major issue, which is a really interesting development in our Clinton email case. Now, you may recall, if you're a regular viewer of the uh, weekly updates here or follow our work, you know that a federal court has authorized discovery into the Clinton email system, its operation, and what the State Department and DOJ knew about it, who knew what and when, and the court was not happy with what we found and authorized Hillary Clinton to be deposed by us in person. And the judge um, uh, issued that ruling, and Mrs. Clinton 
in a desperate move, appealed it. And so now that's on appeal. And we are, uh, all the papers have been filed. And so we expect to hear from the appellate court relatively soon as to what they're going to do in terms of either setting a hearing or otherwise uh, handling the papers. Now, uh, the court authorized two other discovery uh, uh, two other discovery opportunities for us. One were two, uh, one former, I think one's former, but one's current State Department employees who were, uh, one was in the Clinton office who was in an IT position, and the other was a, uh, another IT official who was handling the emails after she left. But on top of that, there's this issue about Google, because Paul Combetta, who was an IT specialist for Hillary Clinton and a private, uh, he was a private person, worked for Platte River Networks, the company you may have heard of, he supposedly sent all the emails to a Google address. And the judge was very interested in that, and he authorized us to subpoena Google, because one of the things he wants to do is figure out whether or not uh, there are ways to get the emails that we have a right to under law. Remember, this lawsuit is about the Benghazi attack. One of the worst scandals in American history. And we have a right to the emails about it. I mean, that's the FOIA. That's the Freedom of Information Act. And she took all of those emails. She destroyed half of them. And the court's like, well, where else might they be? So he authorized us to, to, to take some discovery there. And I want you to read, or I'm going to read for you, the, um, let me see here. Oh, wait. Oh, Judicial Watch subpoenas Google in Hillary Clinton case. So Judicial Watch announced that we served the subpoena. We served it on Google in um, this week, I think it was delivered. And he first raised the issue, and the judge raised it on his own, I think, in August of 2019, where we had a big hearing about it. And, um, and, he, and he ordered Judicial Watch to shake the tree on the issue. He said, uh, and this, I'm quoting from the transcript, and it was a, um, a judge... Uh, Judge Lamberth was referencing Senator Grassley, who was raising issues about this. He, had, he was raising this in, in a report that he had publicly released. And this is a quote from the transcript. A report in which he had some very, he, being Senator Grassley, had some very troubling information about a guy named Combetta, Combetta who had been one of the contract employees on the Clinton emails. And he and the senator who chairs the Homeland Security Committee, Grassley and Ron Johnson, released in the Senate this report, and the gist of it was that Gambetta had said, I guess, that he created a dummy email account with all the Hillary Clinton emails in it in a different name. And the FBI had investigated that to see whether or not the Chinese had ever hacked into it. There you go. They had determined that the Chinese hadn't, but that the FBI never told the State Department about that account, and that the emails that were not given over to the state could not have been given over to state could not have could have been obtained from that account but the FBI never told the state the state about it the state department about it so it leaves out in the open whether there are these other emails that state could have obtained but nobody ever bothered to tell state about them i don't know the status of that and i'm sure you don't either but that did occur to me that 
that would be a problem for me as to whether an adequate examination of that circumstance occurred, and assuming that Combetta deleted them, as he said that he did before he took the fifth, I guess, whether or not the server that they were on, or wherever, wherever the maintained the server, or whoever maintained the server, whether they can be reconstructed. And he then detailed the report released documents revealing that Clinton IT aid Paul Combetta copied all but four of the missing emails to a Gmail account that does not appear to have been reconstructed in search. The court thinks Judicial Watch ought to shake this tree. Ought to shake this tree. So uh, he ordered that we are um, allowed to seek a subpoena. And of course, you know what? State Department and Justice Department opposed our efforts to do this. They uh, fought us. And the court has said, no, we can get the subpoena. The Justice Department and State Department are wrong. Again, this State Department, this Justice Department. The court is not confident that the state, that state currently possesses every Clinton email recovered by the FBI, even years after the FBI investigation. The slow trickle of new emails, because the FBI is, quote, still finding magically new emails, has yet to be explained. For that reason, the court believes the subpoena would be worthwhile and may even uncover additional previously undisclosed emails. Accordingly, the court grants this request, and it was our request to issue a subpoena. So as I said in our release, the court's tired of the gamesmanship by the State Department and the Justice Department, and that's why he authorized the release uh, or the subpoena. You know, and, and state and DOJ have been AWOL on this. And uh, an AWOL is actually a nice way of putting it. In fact, they've been opposing us. I highlighted the fact that the State Department, Justice Department, couldn't go as far as to agree with Hillary Clinton's emergency appeal of her deposition ruling. But as I highlighted, they had actually tried to oppose her deposition in alliance with her, in allegiance with her, against Judicial Watch. So they're still fighting us. So anyway, we issued the subpoena to Google, and um, I think the response is due not too soon from now, or, or, or soon, pretty soon. I don't have the date in front of me. But you can look at the subpoena online. And, uh, you know, it brings us to the next point. You know, because we've got this new information about FISA, which I'll get into. But, you know, I, I'm sure some of you have heard about the new developments in the FISAgate scandal where newly declassified portions of the FISA application warrants targeting Trump, namely Carter Page, but it was really about Donald Trump, and uh, newly declassified footnotes, unclassified uh, footnotes in the IG's report that should never have been classified to begin with, were uh, released. And I just want you to remember that while they were covering up and spying on Trump illegally, they were protecting Hillary over at the FBI and Justice Department and State Department. They went all in against Trump and all in to protect Hillary. In fact, they were working with Hillary directly to target Trump. I mean, the scandal is intertwined. The email scandal and the Russiagate smear scandal targeting Trump, the worst scandal in American history, you don't have one without the other. In fact, 
you probably wouldn't have had Russia if they didn't have the pressure from the emails. They needed some insurance to target Trump and to protect Hillary. And we have the new disclosures in the last week. They came out late Friday last, and Senator Graham finally released some additional material. And it's pretty clear the new leadership at the Office of Director of National Intelligence is pushing for the declassification here. Rich Grinnell, he's been doing a good job. Of course, he's only acting, but he's been doing yeoman's work in declassifying information. And they show, furthermore, that at least the IG uh, sections of the report show that, um, excuse me, the IG sections that were declassified. So these are all footnotes. And they show that the, I, uh, the IG knew, that the FBI and DOJ knew, that the dossier may have been the may have been the dossier used to justify the spy warrants included and was the result of Russia disinfo. They didn't know for sure, but they had reason to believe that was the case. And they didn't tell the court about it. And it was really quite obvious. Anyone looking at the dossier, you either knew it was either Russia disinfo or the crazed musings of Clinton acolytes Sidney Blumenthal, and people like that. Just smearing Trump based on nothing, just so they could. Just, just, just trying to change the conversation. And in this case, they had the FBI's help. Now, all the headlines have been, oh, you know, they, the, the Russians were, the Clinton campaign was coordinating with Russia intel. Well, we already knew that. Now we know the FBI also had reason to believe that was the case. But there's something else you need to understand. It wasn't the Clintons and the Russians working directly together. And I don't even know if it was the Russians involved. I'm still convinced this is all kind of, a, like I say, a self-licking ice cream cone. This is all U.S. rumor, uh, U.S., uh, the Obama gang working with the Clinton gang to launder fantasies about Trump into something semi-serious to kind of convince the court to authorize, authorize an unprecedented spy operation on him. That's what I think went on. But let's say they knew it was Russia intel that was involved here, that the Russians in part knew about it, that they were doing the investigation. Well, first of all, we again knew that. But the footnotes make that pretty dramatically clear. So it's the Clintons working with the Russians, but you have to remember the FBI was working with the Clintons too. So you had the Obama FBI in a joint operation with the Clinton campaign, and if this reports to be believed, there's strong evidence the joint operation included Russia intelligence to try to destroy Donald Trump. If you want to know why President Trump was being targeted for impeachment, if you want to know why there was this coup attack against President Trump, it's because they didn't want the Justice Department. And, it's, and, and if you want to know why Mueller was targeting Trump, because they knew if it came out, there'd be calls for prosecutions. If the Justice Department ever got its act together, if the administration was ever undistracted by these coup attacks, they feared prosecution for this intense corruption.
It was all to protect themselves and to protect Hillary Clinton, who also would have been prosecuted not only for her email misconduct, but probably for her team's involvement in this as well. I mean, I know we're all supposed to be excited about Durham. I don't see any evidence that anyone significant is going to be prosecuted. I don't. All the folks who knew about this, they all knew, should be prosecuted. They're covering up the, covering up the Clinton emails, hiding records. He knew she violated the laws against, uh, related to classified information. In so many ways, it's beyond belief. They found classified information on Anthony Weiner's laptop from the Clinton email server. They didn't do anything about that. In fact, they covered it up. We proved that. And at the same time, they're working with the Clinton campaign, literally working with them, briefing them. Talking to the lawyers, talking to Christopher Steele, who was a Clinton agent, their go-between. And even after they knew he was compromised and they couldn't trust him, they knew he was a leaker, they continued to try to work with him through Boussour. How do we know that? Because we proved it. Yeah, the IG talked about it, but we proved it because we had the documents first. You know, Chris Farrell pointed out, and a colleague, he's our a lead investigator, he's on our board, he has a piece in the Daily Caller. And he highlights some of the important developments about Crossfire Hurricane. In recent weeks, there have been several important revelations about Crossfire Hurricanes. The Crossfire Hurricane investigation that further damages the reputation of the Bureau and others involved in the case. As he points out, the real collusion, obviously, was between the Kremlin and Trump's detractors, based on these IG report revelations that have only been recently declassified. Of course, these were all in footnotes that were buried. And when you look at what was declassified, it's pretty clear they didn't need to be classified to begin with. And the only reason they were classified was because they were so damaging, in my view, to the FBI and the uh, Kukabok establishment over at the House that at the time was trying to impeach President Trump. Schiff knew about everything in here. He saw the information and he lied about it. He was protected by this cover-up too, by the way. One, and these are the specifics, one U.S. agency Assess that the sections of Steele's work, which detailed Donald Trump's supposedly scandalous behavior during a 2013 trip to Moscow, were, were false. And, quote, the product of RIS, Russian Intelligence Services, infiltrating a source into the network of a redacted, and the name's redacted, who compiled a dossier of information on Trump's activities. As Chris says, why was this critical information withheld? And, his, and, and the analysis is quite obvious, though. It's because it would have been a major headline. And that's why it was withheld. It wasn't for classified national security reasons. You know, remember that trip that Michael Cohen supposedly made to Prague? Completely made up. They knew it was a lie. And yet they continued to push it with the courts.
And now there have been, uh, Mike, uh, Senator Graham released these George Papadopoulos transcripts. They, he was wired, by the way. Yeah, the president was wired. Yeah, they were targeting the president. They were trying to wire the president's people. Uh, they're running wires against the president's people. Including George Papadopoulos. And Papadopoulos, the transcripts of those wires have been made public. And they show dramatically that George Papadopoulos told them they were barking up the wrong tree when they were alleging Russia collusion because the spy operation that the Obama gang was running, they were trying to corner and trap and entrap Papadopoulos. And he kept on saying, it's ridiculous. Utterly ridiculous. And the FBI ignored that and didn't tell the courts that they had evidence, strong evidence, that the targets or the reason behind just the reasons given to justify targeting Carter Page were garbage. What's frustrating to me is that a lot, you know, this is just more, more, I shouldn't say icing on the cake. It's more fuel to the fire for, to, to jet, in my view, to generate prosecutions. But what's going on here? No prosecutions. The FISA court hasn't initiated criminal investigations, which it can on its own. The president should authorize, directly appoint a special counsel. It's pretty clear the Justice Department's incapable of doing it. Doing it meaning hold this, this whole gang accountable. And I mean the senior leadership. You know, my guess is the FBI agent, Mr. Kleinsmith, I think his name is, who allegedly altered the document that the CIA had sent over confirming that Page was a good patriotic American. He altered it. Say the opposite. He probably will get prosecuted. I don't know. We'll probably just plead out immediately. But will senior officials get prosecuted for this conspiracy? They all knew or should have known. They all had an obligation when they were signing these application warrants to certify the truthfulness of them, and they weren't true. They were lies. The spying began during the campaign, continued after the president was elected, and continued into the first part of the administration. And I don't know if it even ended. Or when it ended. I mean, we're assuming these are the only FISA warrants. We don't know that. We asked for, for instance, the FISA warrant applications targeting Michael Flynn. I don't know if General Flynn was the target of FISA warrants. I suspect he was. And the response was, we can't confirm or deny it. The IG recently looked at other IG, uh, FISA warrant files and found 29, in my view, were criminally deficient, meaning they weren't backed up by the truth. So who were those warrants targeting? The court asked for the names and the files on that, at least. So I want, I, you know, we've got numerous Freedom of Information Act requests. As I said, our lawsuits have generated much of what we know about this scandal. But the crisis is that the Justice Department refuses to prosecute anyone. And they talk about FISA reform and they talk about what's going to happen next. What needs to happen is that someone needs to be prosecuted in a serious way for breaking the law. And if they're not, 
it's going to happen again. That's the best reform is to prosecute someone. And I'm not saying make a scapegoat out of someone who ought not to be subject to a prosecution. But there's strong evidence of conspiracy and other violations of law related to lying to the court, obstructing justice, things like that. They all knew. Obama knew. Biden knew. Hillary Clinton knew. Strzok knew. Page knew. Comey knew. McCabe knew. Clapper knew. Brennan knew. Susan Rice knew. Did I say Biden knew? Or knew. They all knew there was no good faith basis to spy on a presidential candidate, an incoming president, and then a president. And despite that, they let this special counsel operation continue for two years. Is Barr investigating Mueller? He ought to. But of course, that won't happen because the Justice Department, it's almost impossible for the Justice Department to investigate itself. This is why the president should appoint a special counsel, separate and apart from the Justice Department. You remember that scene in The Untouchables, the Kevin Costner movie? It's a great movie. A little bit violent, so if you don't like violence, you may not want to watch it. But at the end of the movie, Al Pacino, is, not Al Pacino, um, Al Capone, played by Robert De Niro, is on trial. And Kevin Costner is playing Elliot Ness. He says that uh, he, rec he gets information that the jury has been bought off by the mob. And, uh, and of course, the judge has been also bought off by the mob. So uh, Costner essentially corners the judge into doing something about it. You know what the judge does? He tells the jury sitting that's been corrupted, get up and leave, and he brings in the jury from next door. And obviously, you know, the theory is Capone gets convicted by an honest jury. And I think that's what the special counsel needs to do. That's what the president should be thinking about. It's like he can't trust the Justice Department. It doesn't mean Barr's a bad guy. I think he's a great guy. And he certainly, his instincts are right about virtually every public policy issue he speaks on, including these issues. But it's just not happening. And I understand why it's not happening, because there are thousands of James Comey's in the Justice Department and the FBI who don't want to see anything done significantly. So he needs to move that jury out, so to speak, and bring in a fresh jury, meaning someone separate from the Justice Department who reports to the president. That doesn't mean that he can't assist Barr and Barr can't partner with him. But he should be relying on resources separate and apart from the Justice Department and the FBI to do the prosecutions and investigations. And what needs to be investigated? The Hillary Clinton email scandal, the related spygate targeting of President Trump and other innocent Americans, and the Mueller operation, which is also compromised. And on top of that, you've got crimes committed during the coup attack on President Trump related to Adam Schiff, the State Department, the White House, and the CIA that also need to be investigated. That's what the special counsel should be doing, and the president should appoint that special counsel forthwith. And in the meantime, Judicial Watch's litigation will continue. Because we want all the documents that are still being withheld. There are a lot of other secret documents out there. So uh, 
know, we've got this coronavirus crisis, but we still have these other threats to our republic beyond this craziness of the states destroying our constitutional protections. Our republic has been under assault, sustained assault, since 2016, arguably through the entire Obama administration, given the attacks on Americans using the IRS. There's got to be accountability because, uh, you know, the Republic, you know, we're a strong country by the grace of God. But our Republic can only take so much. So with that, I uh, wish you the best. I hope you stay healthy and happy. I hope you get back to work and get back your lives. I hope you live in a state where you have a sensible governor. And if you don't, you, you should call them and let them know what you think about the craze shutdown. So thanks for joining us, and I'll see you next week here on the Judicial Watch Weekly. You have just listened to Tom Fitton's weekly update on JW TalkNet. Remember to subscribe and donate at judicialwatch.org slash donate.